Welcome back, everybody, or welcome to Studio B. I am your host, Pastor Marcus Holman, and welcome to another edition of our podcast, our weekly podcast. And today is another special episode that we'll have. Um, We've been having some very hot topics here over the last couple of weeks, and I hope you've been enjoying it. Hope it's been causing you to kind of deep at a uh, think at a deeper level, especially in regards to what's going on here today. Um, But today, I also have right here in the studio with me is uh, Officer Edward Shaw. Um, A member of our church here, the Church of Bethel's family, um, is a law enforcement agent, uh, officer for the last 22 years. Yes, sir. Grew up in Harm Clark, HC. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, and also a member of uh, Omega Sci-Fi, so he's a Ooh. he's a Q, <laughs> right? He's a Q dog, right? Well, man, we got a lot of. Uh, first of all, thank you for joining us here at Studio B. We appreciate your presence, man. Um, but we got some real some real heavy stuff to talk about today. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, um, pretty, and I wanted to deep. get your perspective as being a law enforcement agent um, in this current culture that we find ourselves in right now. Of course, there is melee going on on every side. Total chaos. Um, with the last couple of weeks, with the uh, death of brother George Floyd, right, and the whole incident of there in Minnesota with the officer Chauvin, right. Uh, we know that that was kind of the ember that kind of sparked the flames. Yes. And um, this is an unusual time in history in so much as, for whatever reason, this particular incident has been the one, as been rightly said, that broke the camel's back. Right. Um, it's not the first, uh, and it's sad to say it probably won't be the last, but this is the one. And so now you have been sparked protests from every corner of the earth. Right. Some, some of those protests have kind of turned violent. So I want to ask you, just starting off, what's your views, what's, what's your thoughts on today's events? Oh, well, uh, yeah, thank you for the invitation. Uh, my, my thoughts uh, is very disturbing uh, as to what's going on, not only in society, but in policing. And, um, you know, we, we're looking at uh, some situations now where uh, the job of policing is uh, not only, it's, already, it's, all, it's always been dangerous, but now we're looking at a point where, um, you know, it it is outright just at a point now where it's, it's almost at a point of no return. And so what, what I've, what I'm seeing and just obviously we all are uh, in agreement about Chauvin and Floyd, uh, that was uh, categorically a homicide Uh, intent. uh, I predicted that it should have been a second degree uh, at minimum. Uh, murder charge, and it was actually brought up to that charge from mm-hmm. a third degree. Uh, well, let me just stop right there because I uh, think I think the people watching um, would appreciate that perspective from a law enforcement officer, right. of a law enforcement officer saying, "Okay, that was wrong. Right. I clearly know that's wrong." Right. And even as a law enforcement of- right. uh, officer, I'm going to categorically say that what I saw right. and what everybody saw. Right was wrong. Right. I think that goes a long way in kind of helping to bridge the gap um, that seemingly exists because there have been opportunities in many other instances where wrong has been done, but people have not spoken up. So I think that right. speaks uh, um, uh, um, uh, important issues when you sit there as a law enforcement right. officer right. and say what this particular officer did to George Floyd right. was wrong, criminal, and he justly got what he is getting right now. Oh yeah, yeah. That's um, 
when you look at it, you know, it, it, it all boils down to culpability, state of mind, uh, intent, knowingly, you know, uh, maliciously or uh, negligent, put it that way. And uh, when you look at that, at that video uh, in its entirety, you see he knew Floyd couldn't breathe because he said he couldn't breathe. He kept saying he couldn't breathe. There's actually more to that video mm -hmm. that I'm not going to go into, but mm -hmm. there's more to that video that is really disturbing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but when you see what you do see, what the world has seen, um, that that's just obvious. He knowingly did what he did, and he just did it until the point where he expired, uh, Floyd expired. And uh, so, you know, uh, the, I believe definitely, I don't believe he woke up that, that morning with the intent to say, hey, I'm going to go kill this guy to, to this evening. Mm -hmm. That His intent, his planning of that, that didn't happen. But once he got to the scene and things went south like they did, it's the result of what we see right now. And so that's the difference between the first degree and the second degree is that he didn't wake up that morning, as you said, and say, today I'm going to go out and find uh, George Floyd and I'm going to intentionally murder him. Right. There was no premeditation right. um, to that incident. Right. But in that degree, um, again, I think it speaks volumes to a law enforcement officer standing up and saying, okay, that was wrong. Because there is this thing, Officer Shaw, right now that I think everybody knows mm -hmm. um, that is kind of the, the elephant in the room that nobody likes to right. talk about is that thin blue line. Right. Right. There is a code. Right. Um, it is an unspoken code. Right. You just kind of know it. Right. And um, there are dire consequences if someone chooses to cross over that thin blue line. Right. Um, it's a brotherhood. Right. Right. Now, I got many officers who are really good friends of mine. Um, and I know that being an officer is a brotherhood. It's a brother in arms. Right. Hell yeah. And there is a code to that particular fraternity. Right. Right. And so when that thin, and when that thin blue line presents itself, uh, people on the outside I kind of left in a catch-22, mm -hmm. okay, because there's an injustice that happened that will not be called an injustice sometimes because of that then blue line. Right. So as an officer, how do you um, walk that thin blue line? I mean, is there – I don't know how else to put it, but how else do you walk that thin blue line? Well, I think um, for, for me especially, uh, you know, I believe you, you walk – with as much integrity as possible, and you make that known among your your peers, you know your uh, cohorts. Uh, you let them know, in a sense, that you're going to do right. And to say this, okay, if there are any if there's any malicious intent with an officer or a group of officers, but they know what your stand is, uh, whatever they may do, they may do it on their own, off to the side. And those are just things that you just will not know about, uh, things that you may not find out about until they are exposed on a call or a traffic stop or, a, you know, any situation similar to that. Uh, you got to look at it from a standpoint, though, as well, that uh, when you're in law enforcement, uh, one of the most dangerous jobs in the world, uh, you have people that you trust. You know, it's, it's, it's a... It's a team that I can't even describe because you're trusting someone to watch your, your six o'clock. You know, uh, when you take a call or when you're on a stop and you have uh, four individuals that are in the vehicle, uh, you have marijuana or, or whatever. You, you don't know. You, don't, you, you just don't know. Uh, any traffic stop, any call, they're not routine. 
I don't call them routine because when you get complacent like that, thinking that it's just a routine stop and this person looks harmless, that'll be the time you may get hurt or even killed. So, you know, um, you, you got to trust that man or that woman, for instance, during the protest. Um, I want to know that the man or the woman standing next to my right and my left are mentally ready to go. You know, they, they have to trust that I'm mentally ready to go when you see what you see, several hundred people coming towards you or you're standing your ground and they're standing their ground. And uh, so uh, you have to, like you said, it's a, it's a fine balance. And I believe that you, you walk it by just doing your job. Because uh, I'm going to tell you this, I take my liberty seriously. I love being out and free. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have, I, I just don't have no place, I have no place for jail. <laughs> yeah. Not not with me being in there, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, if I'm going uh, for doing my job, that's a different story. But I take liberty seriously. I have loved ones, family, grandsons that I enjoy. I enjoy waking up, being able to come sit here and talk to you, and not being told when to wake up, mm. and and things of that nature. So I, I believe officers are uh, really, really uh, need to step back as a whole, and they need to understand that uh, we're out here to do a job, you know, a God-appointed job, actually. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, the Lord established government, uh, and he's, he's placed people in positions such as this to deal with those that can't defend themselves. So uh, to take this job to abuse people and, and, and lie on people when they are making cases and things like that, I, they need to get out the business. So then, so officer, so officer, let, let, let me ask you this: As a, um, you have a unique ability right now as being in law enforcement, but right. also having a, a biblical worldview that you can kind of mesh right um, uh, into your profession. It right. helps you to do your profession right. better. Right. Um, right now, there is um, a, a very big distrust. Um, and it's not a perceived distrust. There's distrust there between right. uh, communities of color mm -hmm. and law enforcement. Right. And so those those two opposing views are there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not something that the media is kind of portrayed, which they've done a horrible job in perpetuating oh that. <laughs> right. But there is a distrust between right. people of color and um, community law enforcement. So how do you see relations needing to change in those specific communities, because there is, um, and it's not kind of like sticking your head in the sand. I mean, we just, we, we know things the way that they are. Right. Uh, officers police largely affluent white areas mm -hmm. differently than they do police communities of color right. who are not as affluent. Right. So how do you bridge those two? How can you improve relations between community of color mm -hmm. and law enforcement personnel? Uh, I, I believe that, um, we can start, first of all, with police-sponsored events, uh, just whether it's monthly or, or annually or something of that nature. Uh, police-sponsored type events where the community, or the, the, they're bringing in their children, uh, they're bringing in the teenagers, uh, just to start that interaction, just to start that dialogue. No, no hostility, no mm -hmm. one fussing, no mm -hmm. one enforcing laws or anything like that, but something that we sponsored, that, that the law enforcement community sponsored, 
uh, to bring people in. Now, I'm going to say this. People want change and reform in law enforcement, but the people aren't willing to change and reform in the community. That's, that's, that's one of the problems. It's, it's the same old junk that occur in the community, but they want law enforcement to change and essentially not enforce hardly anything. Mm. But no one is willing to change in the community. And, it, it, and that question, that's such a complicated and deeply, excuse me, deeply rooted uh, problem that needs to be dealt with that that goes back to the days when Chicago made dumbbell tenants. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes way back, generations, generations ago. So uh, the community as a whole needs to decide, hey, we need to take care of our community. We need to show that we love our community. We need to clean up our community. You know, I look at, at the rides and uh, just absolute chaos. Uh, you're burning down businesses where you're employed. Why would I come back as a business owner to that neighborhood? You know, so you ride down certain streets in Houston. <clears throat> and um, as much as they're trying to, you know, read. Uh, rebuild, you know, and, and, and I will say Houston has had great success. Our, our citizens uh, really, really did a good job when it came to the protest, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Compared to what we saw around the nation, Houston did well. Mm-hmm. But, um, but people in the community have to decide to take pride in their community. And, 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 and you know, because think about it, most law enforcement officers, they're not more than likely not going to stay in the community Absolutely. that they patrol in. Absolutely. You know, so... Um, uh, now, isn't that one of the things that when we talk about grassroots <clears throat> solutions and, you know, law enforcement uh, reform, um, isn't that one of the things that causes such a distrust is that for the most part, 95% of all the officers who patrol these particular areas uh, do not live in that particular area. So they're not, and, and, and it's not to say that, um, you know, that the law enforcement agents cannot understand what's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. But that is one of the issues that have been brought up in regards to reform right. is about having law enforcement officers patrol the areas that they themselves live in. Right. Now, the, is somebody going to want to go and move into that particular area to enforce the laws of that area? Right. I don't know. It's another conversation for another day. Right. But we do believe that there needs to be some type of bridging um, between communities of color and law enforcement uh, personnel because you are there for the benefit of the community. Mm-hmm. But at times, the community does not feel the benefit of that presence. Right. So as a law enforcement personnel that's been on the job for 22 years, mm-hmm. what's some of the grassroots solutions as opposed just to saying, okay, we're going to come in, we'll sponsor a couple of events. How do we do it in a more strategic manner? One of the things that I have said, uh, officer, is that we have to get policemen in our communities without the uniform on. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's, that's a person that's put a person right, to the right. to the to the assignment right. as opposed to every time I see a cop I see him in his uniform. Right, right. That's already creating to me a barrier when right. I see somebody exactly. badged up, waist right. up, right. cuffs on his thing. I can't it's hard to have an engaging conversation like that. So I wanna have law enforcement personnel come into these particular communities 
as just Brother Edward Shaw right. and not Officer Shaw. Right, right. Even though that's what you are. Right, right. I want to try to humanize the right. police officer and put a face to him. Right. Whereas we can start to build up these trust in the community in regards to the police relations. It, it, we, we, we probably could start with, um, like you said, the human factor of it. Um, for instance, I love playing golf. Um, that's, that's just one thing. I love to play golf and travel, uh, to play golf. I love to fly my drone. Uh, so we could, we could possibly start in community centers or something like that where people know about in the community and, um, and have programs that maybe law enforcement offers within their agencies, uh, that may be associated with, uh, drone flights or, or just whatever, whatever it is that, that a group of officers may like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have 10 officers that like to play golf, for instance, and uh, bring the kids in and, and possibly, uh, and it's going to take money. You know, this is, you know, this is going to take a massive effort uh, from state, local officials, county officials uh, to provide some of these just simple resources to get to the areas uh whatever that may be of interest for the officers as well as the kids or the youth that are coming in because we we got to start with them their social media is, is just destroying the world that's just my opinion mm-hmm. it just is destroying it uh so they're in most people's news trusted news source is social media mm-hmm. we know how that goes um, you know, we just we just know how that goes. So they're on social media. They're looking at the images that they're seeing. Uh, just a bombardment, a programming of this is what's happening. When in all actuality, we're human just like everybody else. You know, uh, but everyone is just being programmed, seem like one way, mm. and that's not the case. So uh, we it's going to take a a, a total community effort uh, between the community, the leaders in that community, and the leaders of the agencies that are in the surrounding areas. And, and, I, and I believe just in Harris County alone, we, we've seen just some things. Um, I think they had a, uh, some kind of dance contest or something, I'm, I'm not sure, a few months ago. Uh, where you saw some of the county constables dancing, it, it was something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Just to say, hey, you know, we 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 here, we here, we enjoy these things. We'll we'll participate in this challenge or something of that nature. Uh, but it's going to take a um, a massive effort to uh, just start incorporating programs within these impoverished communities. Um, you know. It, it could be a, it could be something as simple as officers coming in to help clean up the community and talk to the kids about taking pride talk to the, the the adults in the neighborhood about taking pride in their community you know there are certain areas that I that I drive in and pastor home I just shake my head I, I I'm just like wow this is every day that these people see this and it's like no one cares so then so in regards to, and we can kind of see this from a, um, and one of the, well, let me start off by saying one of the benefits that I believe that you're going to bring to the table today is to offer a very unique perspective on law enforcement. Um, as we said in our pre-meetings that, you know, I have the ability to call up, uh, I got 50 or so mm-hmm. 
uh, police officers in my phone. Right. Real good friends. Right. So I have the ability to call up an officer and know that officer as the person. Right. Right. And so I have interactions with officers all the time outside of what right, they do. Right. And so I have a very unique uh, relationship with that. But most people do not get to encounter police in that regard. Right. And so the time that they do encounter police, it's a problem. It is, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. It, it is in the moment where they are the, there's an interaction between the officer and the citizen yeah. and whatever is in between. Right. And so in, in order to, to fix some of these problems, we got to be very, very strategic about it. Um, but, Officer Sean, one of the things that we also have to do is be very honest and transparent about it. I think one of the reasons how the, the conversation is skewed is because we're not able to pinpoint or call out what is rightfully wrong. Right. So I want to ask you just a point blank question. Uh-huh. Is there racism in the police department? Of course it is. And you see right. that as an officer. Right. You see that in the field in which you work in. Oh, yeah. So how does that how does that affect you and how you go out to perform your duties uh, every single day? How do you fight back against racism in a department that employs you? How, how do you do that? Well, I'll, I'll start with this. Um, definitely racism. Racism has existed since the beginning of the time. We can you know this. We can go back to Moses, Aaron and Miriam. Mm hmm. Uh, his brothers and sisters being upset because he married an Ethiopian. So uh, racism, until Jesus Christ comes back, is going to be here. Uh, Social media has only exposed it to the level where it's at. Uh, Within the agency, um, I I can't say within my own agency because of the nature of my job, uh, we are basically, it's almost like we're just, we're one man units, so you typically won't see what you may see with a, a PD mm-hmm. when they're in they're they're, in, they're confined to just one area. Okay, and you may have a call that's a, a, a normal call or not a normal call, but a call to a specific home or just say business or person that the police have been dealing with uh, on a constant basis. So. You have a group of officers because they know the nature of that person. Uh, and, you know, you have a group of officers that may be of one race and they're tired of dealing with this person. And something may occur with the person that they're dealing with because they, that person is always resisting, fighting, whatever the case may be. Uh, so it's going to be up to uh, not only the, the and I'm going to tell you this real quick, uh, body cams, body-worn cameras, mm-hmm. it, to me, I love them. It's one of the greatest inventions that we could have to protect us and to protect Absolutely. Uh, the citizens. I, I love it uh, because it, 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 it keeps you in line. Absolutely. Or it should, put it, it should. that way. It should keep you in line because you know that video don't lie. That video does not lie. Uh, so, um, and, and I spoke about this earlier, um, you know, when you see someone doing something that is abusive, that is wrong against policy, against the law, then uh, you have a, we have a duty within my agency to report that. Uh, now, do guys do that? I can't say that they do. I can't mm-hmm. speak for everybody. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I can honestly say that in 22 years, I've not seen with my agency someone abuse, uh, break the law against a violator. You know, now they may have done something where that violator or that person or whatever file a complaint, and then throughout the complaint process, you have your uh, internal affairs interview mm-hmm. you, and you say, "Yeah, this is what I saw. This is what I didn't see. 
or this is what I heard or whatever the case may be. Um, it's going to be, <laughs> this is another thing. Just like um, anything, there's racists in every profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, racists, thieves, outright criminals get employed with police departments. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get caught when they were out in the world as a civilian. Didn't get caught. I, I, I put it this way. I believe in some agencies we have over a million people in the in law enforcement throughout the country. I believe in some agencies we have gangbangers. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. they just get caught. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> a background panned out, no criminal history, no arrest record, you know, things like that. They they beat a polygraph system. Mm. Whatever the case may be. So all of that is, and this is not to say, uh, officer, and I want to make sure that everybody understands this, that one of the things that we're trying to get through is that right now the world is looking at America. While it's going on around the world, America has been provided a platform to really do some positive things. And I think we would be uh, disingenuous as a nation to not address issues that have to be addressed. Right. And right now, the nation is screaming for the salvation of our soul. Right. Um, America has got to that proverbial fork in the road, and now she must decide which way she's going to turn. Um, because now we're at a point right now to where if we bring in some real gla- uh, grassroots issues on the table, um, there's this thing called qualified immunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's under the Sovereign Immunity Act. So whereas um, if a police officer does go out and do X, Y, and Z, um, he, he or she gets to take advantage of a protection, a law, right. a legal law right. that has been put in place to shield them mm-hmm. from any type of prosecutor um, um, against the law. Right. Right? And that's called qualified immunity. Right. And so many officers know that that qualified immunity exists. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we propose to put to the table is you can't do a blanket qualified immunity across the board. Right. Because that's right. just like a license to say, hey, right, right. Uh, I'm going to turn my head just for a second go right. get what you right, want. Right, right, right. Okay, so qualified right. immunity across the board does not work. Right. So we got to be able to come to the table and look back and examine that particular law. As an officer, what's one of the things that um, – well, let me ask it this way. Why did you even want to become an officer in the first place? Well, it, growing up, I've always been a disciplined person. Uh, I'm, I'm very methodical. I'm regiment. I have a. I have a. It, for me, it's almost like I have one way, and it's this way. And um, you know, played sports growing up, uh, a lot of physical sports, uh, things of that nature, uh, and subsequently ended up at UT El Paso. And one of my biggest regrets uh, was not serving in the military. Uh, I almost went to the Marines, but I ended up getting a scholarship. And uh, so when I graduated, uh, got a job at FedEx, as you see, and then uh, the opportunity came up for law enforcement. And over the years uh, after joining law enforcement, my reasons have evolved. You know, they've, they've, they've changed uh, for different reasons. And, and one of the reasons uh, that has come to light or opportunities like this as I've seen what I've seen over the years know what I know uh, it gives me now an opportunity to explain directly what the perspective is of a law enforcement officer uh, I tell I tell people all the time uh, when when 
you know, when they see things on television, don't be quick to judge, you know, because typically there's more to the story mm-hmm. uh, than, you know, I tell them, I said, just based on what I saw, yes, it's bad. I say, but uh, let's, let's keep in mind that there's more to the story uh, that may come out. You know, I wasn't there. Uh, 99% of the people weren't there. It was just that officer, that violator, and the video, and maybe a witness or two. So what it gives me the opportunity to do, and uh, as, you know, and, and I, I couldn't foresee this initially when I became an officer, say, hey, I'm going to become an officer so I can explain to the people. You know, I, I didn't see that, but uh, as time has gone on and I've seen what I've seen, uh, my reasoning is, is to provide a window into my world. Into in a sense that this is how we think, you know. This is this is how we see things. Mm-hmm. You know, most most officers see it black and white. That's how I, am. I see it black and white. You know, just like the Bible, it's 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 this or it's that. Officer Shaw. So let me ask you. Um, we talked about um, you know you view things in a black and white situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right versus wrong. Right. It's versus the law. I mean, breaking the law and not breaking the law. Right. Well, we absolutely agree that there is that line that if you break the law, you simply broken the law. Right. Um, there's just a situation that just popped off again in Atlanta last week with the uh, shooting death of uh, Mr. Richard um, by two white officers who uh, Mr. Richard was asleep in the Wendy's parking lot, mm-hmm. apparently inebriated, right. um, had fallen asleep in his car, and the cops come up. And there's this six-minute video to where the governor has already put out all the body cam, uh, the officers have been relieved of duty. Um, everything is a public record now, wow. right? So everything is out there for everybody to see. Right. And as I looked at that uh, in preparation of talking to you, um, I want to get your ideas. I'm just talking from a layman's right, point. Right, right, right. Uh, as I looked at that six to eight-minute video, I identified at least four different times mm-hmm. where um, a de-escalation could have been used. Okay. Um, and so the, here's the line. You've broken the law. Right. That's black and white. Right. But is there such a thing to where we can put some compassion, uh, mm-hmm. some some understanding, maybe some some more de-escalation tools in place to where we can deal with people who have clearly crossed that line? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about murder, rape, or, yeah, you're right, yeah. you know, crazy stuff right, like right, that. Right, right. I'm right. talking about when some when a cop uh, and an officer engages a citizen in an everyday traffic mm-hmm. stop. Right. Oh they, yeah. They they. they Speeding, right. speeding, right? Okay, ran through a stop right, line. Right, okay, right, they crossed right. the line. Exactly right. But is there a way that we can de-escalate more so? Now, I want to, and, and, and pardon me if I'm if I'm on the wrong track. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. But from the officer standpoint, mm-hmm. because at the point of stop, you have the control. Right. So how do exactly. we de-escalate even though somebody has crossed that line? Well. Um, on just a traffic stop or the uh, just in general, okay. just in general. Okay, just in general. Um, a lot of times, it 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 may be predicated on the severity of the mm-hmm. violation. Um, it, it, you'll be amazed at what people do purposely. Um, we, we, you know, th- there have been times when we've had alerts that go out, and uh, it basically warns of someone intentionally doing something for you to stop them mm. to create a hostile environment once you get them stopped uh, to set you up in a sense you know uh, you have a lead car that intentionally does something while you have a car behind you or two 
that is waiting to do more harm to you. Mm. So you have those thoughts in the back of your mind, you know, like, wow, this, I'm in a marked unit, and this person just just blew. I mean, I've had guys tell me, man, I stopped a vehicle that just blew past me at 120, literally, just last week. Uh, so in your mind, you start thinking, like, like, what is this person doing? I mean, I'm, I'm clearly in a marked unit. I'm not in a, uh, you know, non-conspicuous co- you know, car. And so your intensity level raises. You know, you may be at a stop at a stoplight. You may be at a front vehicle. And, uh, you, know, you know, it may be a vehicle right in front of you. You just blow the light. Or they blow the light this way. Or they blow a stop sign. Uh, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where you're saying to yourself as an officer, I know they saw me. Mm. Why did they do what they did? And now you got to go confront it, <laughs> you know, in a sense. And uh, so when you confront it, you are already on level 10. Okay. Okay. To make the matter more intense, it's a night shift. So you can't see nothing in the car, tinted windows. I've I've had situations (laughs) where I'm going to lie. I was like, I was like, man, if if they want to get me, they can get me now because I can't see nothing. Mm. You know, and by the grace of God, I did my one of my tactics where I ended up in the ditch and they couldn't see me until I came up but you know you're your own level 10 and you're like hey you know why did you do what you did and, and you may kind of have a raised voice and once they reply depending on how they reply and depending on the person I mean I can't speak for all officers I can only speak for how, how I react <laughs> you know and um uh, once things die down, <laughs> you be like, "All right, if you get your driver's license and your insurance, and and you just in, enforce, you, you enforce what you have to enforce." You know, uh, a lot of times, uh, I tell people, "Hey, man, this is not personal. I, I don't know you." Uh, when when people have been arrested for various warrants or things of that nature, uh, you know, I, I I find opportunities to actually witness to people uh, when I'm in my patrol car. Uh, if if I end up going to court, the judge or the jury going to hear Bible teaching, mm-hmm. literally, because I have a radio turned up. I'm listening to KCB. You know, they're going to hear uh, easy listening music. You know, jazz. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. This is this is so funny because I truly believe, just like David when he was playing the music for Saul, how it kept him calm. Mm-hmm. Music has a dynamic effect on people. My environment is calm and, and almost meditative. So it makes me more relaxed when I'm encountering and dealing with people. Um, I, I have plenty of compassion, but at the same time, I try to be even across the board. Mm-hmm. I don't care what color you are. I don't, what, what, whatever your makeup is, I try to, I try to be consistent with my, with my enforcement of laws. Um, and so uh, to de-escalate, you know, and, and and I've had people, you know, hands on the steering wheel. And, I mean, just the things that you see, hands up. And I'm like, calm down, <laughs> calm down. I, you, well, we 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 good, you know. And 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 you know, just to give them a, a, a vote of confidence or assurance, you may touch them on the shoulder. Calm down, man. Calm down. So you see that in your, and you see that in your interaction all with the people. time, right? So, and, and and it's 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 typically among. Uh, black Americans. So, you know. 
so so then in that in that idea you come up and the person is stiff mm -hmm. hands on the wheel right. they're not moving right they're not budget right because unfortunately what has happened right now in our in our culture right now officer Shah, is that the police have been painted as this particular guy mm -hmm. and so you're fighting against that every single day right right you are um uh, as i said in the beginning of the podcast you have a biblical worldview that you're able to infuse into your duties as an right, officer right right when you're looking at an officer chauvin and i know he is the one that is the poster child for all things bad about cops. right 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 but here's one of the things in which we are um when you talk about those young black men who are hands up hands out the window right. i'm not moving i'm not doing anything right it's because you have an officer Chauvin who has had 17 complaints on him in 20 years. Um, you have an officer Chauvin who is the major complaints, major complaints, a few major complaints. Um, he's already got a murder, not a murder, excuse me, a uh, a body on his record three years before that, wow. and a major assault two years before that. And then you have a training officer who, who is training two rookie cops mm -hmm. on that same force who had been on the force for less than a week, right? And so when you're talking about hands up, don't shoot, uh, I know how the media portrays that. But right. here's one of the things that I hope this podcast can can accomplish is putting a human face to an officer. And it goes without saying that all officers are not the officer chauvin. Right. But I think it's incumbent upon us to do a better job in humanizing right. police right. who have a job and a duty and a responsibility to toe the line. Right. This is the line. Right. This is the law but also have a duty to be the peacemaker. Right. Right. And I believe it is, it is very important that we have conversations like this mm -hmm. because you'll oftentimes hear an officer say, Hey man, I'm just trying to make it home to right. my family. Right. Right. Well, the other person on the end of that stop <laughs> right. is also trying to make it home to their sure family. Are. Right. So can we get to a place to where both people right. make it home to their family? Respectfully. Right. 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 And so I think the conversations like this will hopefully kind of drive the, the, the narrative that direction. So let me ask you this. Do you believe that there is such a thing called over policing? Uh, it, it depends. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say over policing because, all right, for instance, Houston Harris County has 2.5 million people, uh, approximately. To over police in Houston Harris County, guess how many officers we would need? We only have about, it, just say HPD, we only have uh, maybe four to 5,000, maybe. We would need over 33,000 officers in Houston Harris County to over police Houston Harris County. New York has. 30 plus thousand officers. They have 18 million people. So over policing becomes a situation, and I wouldn't say necessarily over policing, but it's called saturation. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the crime statistics in an area, it, it's just what it is. It, 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 that's what's reported. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not going to even talk about what hadn't been reported. So, and when, when I see the numbers, on the south side or the north side, um, you you would be appalled, and, and I don't mean death by check. I'm talking about aggravated, yeah, violent, yeah, crimes, like it's a traffic stop, just as routine as a traffic stop. That much is going on that people do not know in Houston, Texas. Trust me, trust me, I'm not lying to you. 
you know, when we see those numbers, when we see those statistics of violent crimes, then uh, we have a duty to go protect those people that, that can't do anything for themselves. So we may saturate an area for a period of time, but it can't be sustained mm. because you're pulling resources from one area to go saturate another area. Something has to be done. You cannot not address it. So it has to be addressed. Now, the funny part about it, you may have people using social media like laws in town that stay in the house. Mm. That happens. Word get out on the street. Or word get out on social media, put it that way. And uh, so, uh, you know, now you could, you could say over-policing if you get beat upside the head for traffic violations like speeding, you know, I'd be like, nah, that's that's the least of your concerns. We got much bigger issues to deal with, with people getting robbed at stores, at banks, gas stations, homes, uh, you know, things of that nature. So uh, when it's, it's when the numbers get to a certain point, I guess, of, of intolerance, then those areas are, are targeted for, you know, more police work and so and i'm glad that you make that 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 distinction because i think what um at least from my vantage point um police have a uh, difficult job to do um in regards to every day waking up knowing that they're going into a hostile environment um you said something in your last comment that um there are times in which you know why would this guy do that and he obviously seen me and so those thoughts start kind of running through my head and it kind of puts me at a heightened alert. So when we are at a heightened alert in between to law enforcement and community, it will create um, challenges. Right. And there's no doubt that there are some some crimes um, that are happening in these uh, in these predominantly African brown neighborhoods mm-hmm. that we have to address. But one of the things that I hope that the conversations will be able to lead to is that there can be some real grassroots solutions. And the unfortunate part right now is everybody's got a camera phone. Mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to be TikTok famous, Instagram right. famous. Right. Everybody wants to be the one to post that video and right, get a million right, views. Right, exactly. Right? right, so everybody's looking for an opportunity. Right. right. And so you have to fight against that culture as well. And considering the type of scrutiny that the police uh, officers are under, how do you perform your job in such a way that's beneficial to the police, uh, to the officers that you that you serve with, but also to the benefit of the people that you're supposed to be serving? How do you bridge that? Well, I just go out and do my job. Um, to be honest with you, I, I go out. I, I can't be concerned about what someone may be videotaping or uh, recording me, you know, I've had it, you know, I've had it this past weekend. Uh, God pulled up in a parking lot across the street and I just conducted my traffic shop as normal. I have video, I have video body cam. So there's nothing, there's nothing concerning for me in that aspect. Um, to, to bridge the gap, uh, I just believe that uh, people as officers, as citizens, we are going to have to really, really do self-evaluation of ourselves, of of our of our own behaviors. Uh, what what is it that's driving the anger in an individual? But it, this is this is so this is so complicated and deep mm. um, that 
you and I can't <laughs> can't, yeah. can't figure this out. Yeah, you know, we're not just scratch the surface. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just it, it, this goes much deeper. This is this is spiritual warfare. And and I've and I've said this time and time again that the enemy, the devil, the prince of this world, is clapping, saying, "Well done, thy good and faithful evil doer." Hmm. He's clapping at all of this chaos that he's created. And if people don't get back to the fear of God, it's a wrap. So now let's talk about that. Because <laughs> you know now, right. you start bringing the, the, this in there, we oh, got to talk I, about I that, know, right? I know, I so know. So we got to start talking about this. Uh -huh. so, so right now, right now with everything that is going on, right. and there's a lot. Oh, there's a lot going on. Overwhelming almost. Um, we are presented with a very unique opportunity. A very unique opportunity. And I believe that all the parties involved could equally benefit from this platform that we have right now. Right. If we do it in a way that is uh, strategic and if we do it in a way that we can put forth practical, practical measures. Now, God is a God who hates injustice. Mm -hmm. And no matter what that injustice comes in, right. uh, God is a God who hates injustice. And so when we're looking at what's going on in our world, I see, unfortunately, a group of people who are angry. Um, and most of these kids uh, who are angry, most of these young adults who are angry, are angry for a reason that social media told them to be angry right, for. Right, right. And when we say a self-examination, there's an old, there's a, a song um, by the king of pop. Y'all know who I'm talking about, Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. It says, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Mm -hmm. There does have to be some self-reflection done in the hearts of people. And there has to be some self-reflection done in the hearts of law enforcement, government agencies all across right, the board. Right. And that's why I say, officer, I believe that all parties involved with what's going on right now could equally benefit. But when I'm talking to an officer uh, such as yourself, and you, you're engaged in these communities every single day. Right. You see what's going on out there. Right. You are encountering, <clears throat> at times, some of the people who are not as friendly as others. Right. So this is the job that you're in. You right. see it every single right. day. Right. Is there a particular point in time in your life where you become, you know, is it uh, possible that you can become desensitized to the crime and violence that you see every single day? Definitely. You become callous. Hmm. And you get to a point, depending on who you are, as an, I mean, think about it. You check on duty, and uh, you got 10 calls holding. You got eight of the 10, and you know the area. That, that's your area. You know, you're and this is when you get to work. Right. This is when you, this, you hadn't even checked on. You got 10 calls holding, and you got eight of those 10 calls are to places that you have been time and time again. Hmm. And, and as a human, you just feel like, they don't care. I don't care. Mm. <laughs> I'm just just if whatever the case, whatever will be, will be. This mm. this is how we're going to enforce it. You know. Um, so, and and that's just that. Think about it. You work five days a week. Yeah. And and I'm I'm being generous with the calls. You know, fifty calls, ten a day, and you're just constantly going into hostile. Hostility. Mm -hmm. I mean, just con kids, husband, wife, drunks, uh, stabbings, sh you, you name it. Every day for a whole year, 
10 years, 15, 20, mm. 30 years. Can you imagine yeah. the, the psychological yeah. effect mm. when you get off work and you go home and, and you, you just, you may have had an, an exceptionally bad day uh, because people were fighting against you. And um, I mean, every day. So we we are in a. I, I thank the Lord. I don't know how off, how an officer could do this job without without the Lord. So express that feeling, man, because I think that's a part. Uh, you know, officer. I, I think that's a part that people just don't see. Right. I don't think that they see at times the humanity of the cop. Right. I just think they see the badge, the uniform, the cop car, and the flashing lights. Oh. They don't see. Okay, well, the, the, what you just expressed right. uh, after a period of time, right. um, you know, I know as a pastor at times, you know, I have to deal with some some pretty deep and heavy conversations right. that at the end of those conversations, I'm just kind of drained. You're just beat up. So right. it, th- that, that human side right. of the officer, that's what I hope that we can portray mm-hmm. Is that yes? There's a there's the officer. There's the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. There's the there's a uniform, but there's also a person on the other side of that uniform. Right, right. And so, how does that person on the other side of that uniform? Right. How do we feel about that person? Right, right. right. And so, with just what you said, I think that's powerful. And man, so just you said that your strength comes from the Word of God. Right. Now, right. Um, it would be me as a pastor uh-huh. <laughs> if I can push a button. Right. Get everybody saved. Right. <laughs> Because uh, I don't believe that true men and women of God, men who have the Holy Spirit of God, do the things in which we see are happening every single day. Right. Uh, that's from you know my perspective. If right. I had one wish, I could do that. Right. But as a person who believes in the Word of God and tries to establish that into his field, mm-hmm. how do you take that into your daily routine? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, like I stated, uh, I, I'm literally throughout my whole shift almost. I'm I'm listening to sermons, mm. literally. I've had people get in my car. I've had another, one of my coworkers got in my car one day, one day, and we were eating lunch with some other guys. And he said, "Man, I got in the car, and I'm I'm we listening to sermons." I said, "That's right. <laughs> You're gonna get beat upside the head with this Bible, <laughs> you know." And so uh, I, that's 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 my routine. That that's my 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 food that I'm that I'm receiving throughout the day on my shift is 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 at minimum you know obviously I'm driving so I can't necessarily read but I'm I'm just listening at several sermons of my favorite preachers and 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 just you know, enjoying that time. Well, I got to make sure that you that I'm one of your favorite preachers. Right, so Steve. Make sure you get him some, uh, some you DVD. Are. Trust me, trust me, man. <laughs> I, I I love our men's ministry and your teaching. I love it uh, because you and I told you uh, keep coming at us, point blank. Don't stop. That that's what men need. Not touch a neighbor this and that. Hmm. Come at me point blank. That's all I. That's all I ask. Keep doing that. But um, I found myself just in dealing with people, you know, that, that may have been arrested and may be in my car and I have to take them downtown. Uh, you know, they, they'll hear what I'm listening to. You know, it may be jazz, but it may be KHCB. You know, those are my two uh, stations, jazz on YouTube or whatever and uh, uh, 105.7. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had opportunities where people have just opened up, you know, like, hey, man, uh, you know, I'm tired of the way I'm living. You know, what do I do? 
and it, it just mm. it just was an opportunity to mm. just witness for about 15 minutes you know or 20 minutes how long it took i said man it, it's in your head it's it's a state of mind bro you have to decide that you're going to reorder your thoughts to reorder your life you keep doing the same thing you're doing this is going to continue to be your result I mean, and I tell him, I said, I want to preach to you. You're a grown man. You know this. I said, but you got you to gotta incorporate it within your life and be committed to it. You know, I, I said, who, who likes waking up with chaos every day? I, 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 I can't, I, I can't, life brings that automatically. Why put it up on yourself to create it? Mm. You know what I mean? You, you just you constantly throwing out just negative energy every which way you look. You know, life is it's, it's going to come. You know that mm -hmm. it, it just keep living and walk outside the door. It's coming. So why add to it by your own behavior? You know, I, I, I not only in my word, but in, in books that I read. Uh, as a man thinking, he has a he has a saying in, in by James Allen. He has a saying. He says a basically a mind, a man's mind can be compared to a garden. It can be cultivated intelligently, or it can be allowed to run wild. Hmm. Look at a wild garden. Yeah, yeah, that's it a just good looks a mess. But you can cu cultivate it intelligently by what you feed yourself. Whether it's some kind of self-improvement, a change in thought process, you know, your word, definitely your word. That that's goes without saying, you know. And and, and is it perfect? Am I? Per of course not. Not at all. But I, I I look at it from a standpoint that the Lord is always looking to, looking at me, looking upon me, whether you're watching or whether I'm by myself. And and that's just that's me. That's just I. I choose to want to please the Lord in that aspect. So then as a man of God and a man that believes in the power of the word of God is one of the ways that I able to keep you grounded in a profession where you are unfortunately having to deal with um, the social ills right. of our world. Right. Um, you know, Officer, uh, Officer Shaw, one of the things that we'll have to try to get to um, as a people um, is God is so gracious of a God that he will lend you to your own vices. Oh, yeah. Um, he will allow you to do what you want to do. Right. He's too much of a gentleman to force himself on you. Right. So he'll never make you do anything. Right. And so I do believe that the ultimate cure, the ultimate cure for the ills of this world are found within the pages of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. um, God is a God that allows, and God is a God of decency and in order. So as you go out every single day for the last 22 years, knowing that when you wake up, I'm going to have to encounter something today that's going to be not as pleasant as I thought. Right. Okay, You're going to have to encounter some people that are not going to be so friendly. Right. So knowing that as you wake up every single morning, going into that kind of environment, how do you mentally prepare yourself to do your job and as I begin to think about that last night, how do you do your job without unintentionally crossing over that line? Maybe somebody gets you at a point in time where you've been frustrated. You just oh, came oh, off a bad happened. call. Oh, trust me. You just <laughs> came off a real, real bad call. Right, right. And now you got this guy uh -huh. 
routine stop. Right. You want to just get it over right. with. Right. And it, it go to hell. <laughs> Real quick. Real quick. So how do you do that? It, well, it hadn't been done to perfection over 22 years. I've had my fair share of complaints, you know, uh, just on a traffic stop mm-hmm. level, in a sense. And, um, you know, a lot of times, it, I mean, it's um, – it's a, it's amazing just how it, it's it's hard. You'd have to do a ride along for a few days just to see just kind of what we're dealing with. But um, you know, you have a situation where you be like, "Oh God, this is this is probably going to be a complaint." So um, you know, you our policies, and I have to say, like I say. I, I want to do a good job. I, I like to have a clean background. I don't want nobody, no supervisors coming down upon me. Why did you do this? Why did you? I, I don't want to attract no light, so I try to stick by our script. I, I violate a contact, and, and, and it's a very effective violate a contact. It, it really does keep you out of trouble. Mm. Uh, it really does. You know, you have to be mindful. Because there's going to always be that one or two persons that's going to take things to a whole nother level. And now you're outside of that, you know. But for the most part, you know, you, 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 I'm going to tell you like this. A traffic stop should last on average five to seven minutes. But unfortunately, we have people that make them turn into what we've seen. Mm-hmm what we've seen since 2015, you know, Ferguson and, and things of that nature. Uh, so, you know, I, I just try to uh, understand that outside of just a routine stop, you know, that this is a five or seven minute encounter. Enforce, if there's no reason to enforce anything else, you get on out of there. You know, you want to set uh, a good case law not bad case law like we're seeing mm. because when bad case law come into effect, then all of the governments involved gets involved. All right, Officer Shaw. So there's been a lot of talk in the news right now, a lot. Um, defund the police. Right. Reorganize. Tear down, let's start from scratch. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, honestly, that's ignorant. Uh, you you don't you defund the police then what? There is no what. All right. <laughs> to to you, defund just, the just, police. Just silence. Yeah, that's what right. it is. You know now, reform. Um, you know, yes, we probably could use that. Uh, I, I, I would I would say I mean we, we're moving into what 21st century 2020 etc. Uh, there could be some reform, um, what that reform would need to be. Uh, I've heard things, it just don't make much sense. Um, you go to a call and uh, they want a psychologist to come out to assist with the call. That That's, that's not going to work. I mean, that's not going to work. You're going to, you have to have 10,000 psychologists to, be able to follow up with these calls. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. Um, reform, uh, better recruiting, uh, definitely digging deeper uh, into a person's past. Mm. Uh, I think that that's, that's a pretty good way to start 
with who you're, you know, picking up. And, and this is this is a the caveat about it though. So, not many people want to go into law enforcement. And when you have voids that need to be filled or positions that need to be filled, you don't have the applicants. And the ones you do, they may pass the background, but how deep of a background did you do? Yeah, did you do? Were you able to do, you know? So, and then so out of that 10, only four are available or appropriate to, re, you know, to hire. So you, you have an, a situation where you start defunding, you're going to have a shortage of officers. You're going to have a shortage of people. It's going to get to a point, in my opinion, where officers just not going to want to, they're going to do the bare minimum mm-hmm. or little to nothing mm-hmm. uh, because they're, they're concerned about being sued. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about being arrested, being fired, especially if they've been on some a number of years. You know, you've been on... 25 years and you got kids, grandkids, wife, et cetera, et cetera. You're like, it's not worth it. Now, I want to take that thought and expand it because I think that is uh, a poignant um, point of view from an officer's perspective. I think that there is going to get a point in time to where um, you're right. The officer will do the bare minimum at the risk that if I do anything else, this can be construed that way. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have, Life, liberty, my right, family, right. everything else <laughs> right, on the line. Right. And so what needs to be done is all I'm going to do. Right. And I think that serves a disservice to the community right. that they are policing. Right. Um, because that, I need people to hear this. There are really some bad people out there. <laughs> you have no you You do have an idea, but. And, and I say this very respectfully, uh, Officer Shaw, because I did participate in a ride-along with cop, uh, cops and clergy mm-hmm. about seven years ago right over here on the southwest side. Right. Um, and that was for an entire day. Right. And um, the calls that we went on, um, and ironically, three of those calls that we went on, the people were actually members of the church. Right. And but that was seven years ago. That was seven years right. ago. So, And, you know, I'm in the call. Right. I'm in the car with this particular officer, and— you know, we get this call, okay, and then we get this call, and then we get this call and that call. So you got five major calls back to back to back to back to back. Right. And so at the end of the day, you know, I took the officer along, and, we, you know, we had a time of prayer and kind of decompression. Right. Right. <laughs> so I know the cops are out there doing a, uh, right. the best job that they can. And what I want to say in regards to the, the, to the defunding and, and all that other good stuff, that's foolishness. Right. I do believe that there are some opportunities for re-education right. and additional education. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. as times progress, so do we. Right. We can't mm-hmm. use the same archaic measures that we used. From the 80s. Yeah, right, that right, just yeah. doesn't work. Right, right. So I do believe that there's a time for us to talk about re-education, Definitely. some additional education. I agree. totally. To better the officer's job and their abilities right. in those areas that they police. So I want to ask you. With all that's going on, and we're far from the finish line, right? Um, what do you see as the next steps from a law enforcement standpoint? The the next step, it's it's going to be uh, uh, law enforcement agencies that are progressive taking the steps. Ours is is already taking the steps uh, as far as like taser use. Mm. My agency, have, we just saw an email last night. I 
checked on and I hadn't finished reading it because I was off. But um, a lot of law enforcement agencies that are progressive are going to try to get ahead of um, the, the re-education and the training as best they can. Uh, of course, it takes, again, money. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring in officers in to uh, uh, the academy or wherever they have to go to get their training, uh, bringing people in, experts, to, you know, explain and teach those trainings. Uh, it, it, it's going to be a massive operation. Uh, think about it like we have, what, 254 counties in in, in uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. And probably a third have less than 50 officers. How, where are they going to get the resources from? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have agencies, uh, departments in the county, I mean, in the state of Texas that may have 10, five officers. Where are they going to get the education from? Where are they going to get the resources from to educate uh, their officers? You know, you got guys that have been on 20, 30 years. Unfortunately, many of them aren't receptive to uh, that knowledge. Yeah, I am. I'm always seeking some knowledge. I don't care how simple it may be. Uh, so the progressive, bigger uh, agencies, hopefully uh, they'll get ahead of it uh, and start, you know, uh, seeking those resources and those those persons that would do these trainings. Uh, we have some very sharp people in my agency. And um, it's, it's, it's going to take a cooperative effort. And we, unfortunately, we can't control every officer. It's, it's just, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't control what a Chauvin-type person does can't control them so i hope and as we um talk about this today man as we see some very pivotal issues that have to be discussed i i hope that at the end when this is all said and done that we're able to be very informed and very dialed into what we need to do right. and i hope that that agencies like yourself the one that you serve in are having these kind of poignant conversations oh, yeah. with those who are going out and interacting uh, because I'm I'm never going to sign up for defunding and disbanding the police. I right. think that's absolutely crazy. Right. Uh, but I do believe that there needs to be some additional uh, opportunities presented, not just on behalf of the officers. Mm-hmm. I think we lay a lot of blame at the officers' feet, uh, but there also needs to be some re-education on the side of the citizens. That goes. That uh, leads me back to what I stated earlier about change being expected within agencies and the departments. It's got to happen in the community. It, that, that, to me, if the, if the community respect their own community, they, they just don't in some areas. They just do not respect their own They don't respect nobody. So they're definitely not going to respect the police. If, if the community does not desire to change it's going to be an uphill battle. So then our next steps are, um, and Studio B, I thank you, man, for coming um, because I believe conversations like these are what's needed. Thank you. Um, we can protest. Protests are great. We can march. Marches are great. Do not go out there and riot. Riots do right. not benefit anything. Exactly. Right. Uh, we need to have grassroots solutions about what we're going to be able to do. And I hope that through this uh, particular session of what we've been able to do, 
um, that you can go out and engage with the officers that you work with right. as I go out and engage with people that I work with right. and so that the dialogue continues right, to spur right. on. So I thank you for coming here to Studio thank B, you man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. And for those who are watching, uh, make sure that you join us on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Make sure that you subscribe to Studio B, the podcast, so that you do not miss one single episode. Until next week, we'll see you then. I just want to raise